Hello besties, it's Lynn Hilton here from Best Training and the podcast is welcoming today Becky Gillespie who I've known since about probably about 2007. She's a vocal coach and a food blogger so we're going to discuss about that interesting mix. Uh, she currently lives about two hours south of Sydney in Australia but she's originally from Kentucky in the States and we met when she was living in London so she moved to London when she was in her 20s and has had a very interesting journey, um, not only as a singer and vocal coach, but also as a chef. And uh, she made it to the semi-finals on MasterChef in the UK in 2007, which was interesting and found herself a little bit of a crossroads. And now she's found herself at another crossroads. And we're gonna talk about that journey together. So welcome to the podcast, Becky. Lovely to see you again. Thinking earlier about how much we've actually shared over the years. We've just been through quite a lot in terms of voice and learning together and all the different projects and yeah. Indeed, yeah. And what I love, I love about talking to people um, on this podcast is the fact that singing teaching is often just one of the things that people do. You know, it's, it's not the full picture. And I, th I think people get surprised at the fact that actually you can run these different pathways in conjunction and somehow also blend them as well, which I'm going to talk about with you. So I'm very curious to know why you decided um, to follow that singing path and not the chefing path, because obviously you, you would have had some opportunities coming out of MasterChef, I'm assuming. Yes. Um, and you then chose the vocal coaching path. So tell me about that. That's right. Well, I always had this um, kind of two draws, actually. Um, I always felt this pull towards music and, um, and also food was just sort of at the heart. You know, I, I, I really wanted to explore both. And I had just in London, you know, I had started um, really training my voice and I was doing a few gigs here and there and just really getting into singing. And then I started training um, SLS at that time. And um, I was just loving it. I was loving being a vocal coach and um, taking on students and teaching so much, you know, and, and then the whole MasterChef thing came and that was amazing too. So, and I remember when I was on the show, they were really kind of pushing me to say they want, they wanted this big story of, you know, I'm going to give up your job and become um, a chef. And at the time I just, I said, I really love my job in music so much that, I didn't want to. And, you know, I also, I did have a many opportunities and um, I had some offers to work in some great restaurants, but, you know, I always, there was always this sort of feeling of, I didn't, it didn't feel quite right. Um, and kind of this feeling of fear. I was thinking that everybody in the kitchen would be these Gordon Ramsay's. Um, and I just, so I never, I never did. I just, I just couldn't do it. I don't know. And um, then later on, it just kept niggling at me um, when we moved from London to Sydney then with my husband's job and I'd had two kids and then I just thought, you know, this is actually a good time to finally explore this, actually working in a restaurant and taking cooking to the next level. So that's what I did recently. And um, I, I literally have been working as a chef. Mm. 
Um, but, you know, I've found the same thing that I just, I had this pull back to music. Have you totally given up chefing or so? And how did that happen? Yeah. So um, I started off actually volunteering in um, one of the top restaurants in Sydney, um, Aria, and um, which was amazing. Um, did that for a while. And then when we, we moved to the countryside and I actually started working in a restaurant um, and um yeah, I, I really kind of did that for full, for full time. And um, it was amazing, but there are so many things that I enjoyed about it. But always in the back of my mind, I just, I kept thinking about returning back to singing, teaching and just how far that I'd come, you know, and, you know, I felt um, it was such a shame to give that up. And um, I realized that all those years teaching in London, you know, literally some days kind of teaching eight hours in a row kind of thing. You know, I just learned so much and um, did so much that then now what had happened was um, the, the COVID-19 came out, you know, and the restaurant shut down. So literally overnight, it was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to teach again, you know, and then I got in contact with a few people and literally the next day I had students and that, it was just like the fog was lifted out of my mind. I couldn't believe, you know, it, I'd gone from, um, you know, being a chef, it's like being a novice, you know, and when I was actually at, at Aria, one of the, um, that top restaurant, like even the dishwasher was touching at me, you know, just, <laughs> just, um, you know, it's just a completely different feel. And, um, I just feel very grateful to be back now teaching. And I, I love that, you know, I have knowledge and technique and um, I can help people and, um, you know, it's such a good job, but I feel like I'm having this kind of renaissance. Like I'm just seeing it with fresh eyes, which sometimes we all need to do. You know, we need to take these little diversions sometimes to come back and realize what we've got. Were you teaching still when you were doing chefing or had you given it up totally? Yeah, um, I had a few students that I kept and you know, this is also that it, it's been a learning curve because I had this kind of mentality like I could do it all, you know, I've got two young crazy boys as well. So, and, you know, I, I was working in that restaurant pretty much um, full time. They, they were very um, understanding of me being a parent, though, which was um, I was lucky. But I just had accepted another job in sort of um, a kind of more high-end restaurant. So I I put in my notice for the first restaurant and I was working at the other one. So I was juggling both at the same time, plus trying to teach a few students, plus trying to be a mum. And, you know, I was feeling so burnt out. Um, and, yeah, I was having physical symptoms of stress and I was just trying to do it all. And, um, and in the back of my mind, I had all these like worrying thoughts, like, you know, feeling like, I, is this really what I'm doing? Am I really going to go here? Because, you know, I had a whole career as a singing teacher, a good one, you know? And um, so this was like these little noises in my ear and, but I just couldn't stop, you know, I was on this treadmill and I was, and I was also going down this path, but it's been so interesting that it took, the virus to just, you know, it just made the decision for me. And then, you know, as soon as I picked up students again, I just have realized how amazing this job is and to, to help singers. And, you know, every day I get these people like these little mini concerts in my 
in my um, room, you know, and people singing to me and then, you know, I'm just listening to their amazing music and giving them a few tips. And then there I was like scrubbing a kitchen floor at 1030 at night, you know, it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> so, um, you know, it was, that was great too. I love the aspect of working in with my hands and being creative. And really it was just sort of like scratching this itch that I had to take food further. And um, yeah, I just feel like that's gone now. And I'm, I've returned. I'm just so happy to be back and I feel I feel different you know and I think it's also to do with age I feel a lot more sure of myself and you know um yeah and it's just the realization I feel like once you if you kind of take a step back from something and then you come back to it it's amazing what you can mm. feel you know and how that can how you can be confident and so what do you think you can bring from chefing back into your teaching that you might not have had if you hadn't done that um well I feel um, the kind of um, the change of, you know, when, when I was being a chef, everything was so, it's kind of a, an industry based around what you're not doing right. And um, there's so much kind of pressure, you know, and um, it's full of like little mini pressures. And um, I felt pretty small, you know, I felt that um, I was so tested every single second or someone like peering over my shoulder that in, um, there's a lot of negativity um, that stems from that. And so just coming back, I think I'm just feeling so much more kind of open and, and I'm just bringing my knowledge um, that I've trained with and the experience and just, just loving that feeling of being able to help. And, and, and I can, I have a voice, you know, it's not like, I feel like maybe in, in restaurant kitchens, it's a bit like, you know, there's such a hierarchy um, and I felt pretty small, like I couldn't really step up and say anything or I wasn't even invited to. And um, it's quite it's quite hard not saying that I'm some like superstar vo vocal coach or anything, but it's quite hard to kind of be somewhere and feel like, you know, something and then to all of a sudden be take a few steps down and feel very much like a novice. So I, I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, feeling like I can help people and you know, and it's nice to be your own boss. Mm. But do you think there's anything positive that you can bring from that journey that you've taken? A learning experience from there. Um, yeah, I just uh, maybe, yeah, the way in which you communicate with people. And um, yeah, definitely uh, many of the um, chefs that, you know, the industry is so young. So a lot of them, you know, they, they actually they're pretty troubled you know it's quite common for people to be troubled in their own way i mean um and it it's uh, the way people communicate i feel that there are many like learned behaviors in the industry um so i just i noticed a lot and um from that you know i feel that i'm a better communicator now based on what i saw that you know i that I want to communicate better with people. And um, I think also, yeah, I just noticed by working around people who are so much younger than me, um, I felt so, so much older and um, wiser. And yeah, that's quite a nice feeling that I'm enjoying too, but maybe that's just because I am older and wiser. And <laughs> <laughs> I've turned yeah. a certain age, I won't say, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> what about um, aspects of the discipline of, you know, you have to think about the end, you know, before you can start putting the ingredients together. 
And I often think that with a lot of singers, they come in, they're thinking about, well, there's two avenues, isn't there? The first one is like, I have to get it all perfect. I have to have all the ingredients correct, but they don't have a vision of where they want to go. Yeah, right. And then there's the other ones who have that vision, you know, the end product, that's where I want to be but they don't think about all the ingredients that are. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, when you kind of working as a chef, when you bring things together, it's really the end product, everything behind the scenes is already done. So, um, you know, when you go to a restaurant, they don't cook things from scratch and bring it out. It's all the work is done behind the scenes. And I'm really talking, everything is done you know, pre-done. So in that sense, yeah, applying that to singing, um, it's preparation and then bringing things together. That that final bit is actually a pretty small piece of the puzzle, but there's a lot of work that goes in that people don't even see, you know, and yeah, you can totally um, learn from that. Yeah. So what is it that you enjoy about cooking or food? I love working with my hands and being creative. So, you know, it's similar too, you know, because then coming back to music, I, I also love that. It's the creative aspect, you know. So that's been the thing that I, I love the most. And it's being in your body and instead of in your mind. Um, so that has really helped me just being so physical. Mm. So did you learn anything about sort of um, the the impact that food has on health and well-being was that something that uh, you covered as well in your training um well i personally love um healthy eating and i love um you know using the best ingredients um in a restaurant it's it's quite different i mean it's really um sales driven and um you kind of really need to um follow what the restaurant uh, owner wants and what sells and um, yeah so it's kind of taken more on 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 board um, that kind of side of things so I I felt that um yeah I learned a lot about things being a little bit more unhealthy in a, in a restaurant than I would have liked yeah so many times that you know I got a chance to maybe do restaurant specials here and there and I was always trying to push you know like the healthier side of things but it didn't obviously it didn't always go down that well because they really wanted something more that sold. So one of the things that I got you to do was to write some recipes yeah. for Icing Magazine yeah. when it was um, still being Yeah, published. I love that. Yeah. And I, I know that you looked into recipes that were specifically singer-friendly for one reason or another. So what kind of things do you think work well for singers and their voice and, and also, you know, their energy needs and, and allergy issues, et cetera? Yes, definitely. Um, well, staying away from um, fried fatty foods. I mean, it's, it's general kind of um, foods that you would use if you were wanting to be healthy. And, um, you know, say if you wanted to, um, if it's same, you know, I, I find that the voice is, it is a muscle, just like any other muscle in your body. So um, putting in, um, you know, trying to eat less meat. That's a, a big one that, that people have been talking a lot about in, um, in recent uh, years with these, these amazing shows that have been coming out, you know, What the Health. And, um, yeah, so I, I teach um, Barnes Courtney, who's, who's doing very well on, on tours, and he's um, currently trying out being um, vegan. And with his, with his voice, he's had some, um, a lot of problems with sinus and, 
some issues with um, with his voice in that sense. So he's he's finding that's helping him a lot. Um, yeah. So lots of protein. So do you give your clients and students recipes then suggestions? Um, we often talk about food just because I find that um, you know when I talk to anyone it 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 often stem you know goes back to there or if I find that someone is interested in it then I would definitely you know chat about food. I mean I chat about food to anyone and everyone. <laughs> So what do you think the most valuable recipe might be to someone who's on tour or who wants to increase their energy? Yeah, well, I was thinking about when we were um, doing some of those recipes for icing, um, you know, there's some amazing snacks you can make that you can take with, you know, on tour or um, in the recording studio. That's a big one. You know, in recording studios, how many times do people reach for the you know, the crisp packets and the, those horrible vending machines and all the recording studios with the pot noodles and ugh. so, um, you know, you could do protein balls or I've um, got some amazing like brownie recipes that may have like even um, like sweet potato inside. So you're getting fiber, you're getting um, like sustained energy um, and, you know, using um, coconut oil rather than um, an animal fat or, you know, so it has a good fat in it or, um, yeah, smoothies are fantastic. Maybe it might not be so easy for on the go, but yeah, I've got some great protein ball recipes and lots of interesting flavors too. Well, it's not that difficult to take smoothies, you know, for something like a recording studio or day. Um, yeah. And um, I just think anything that is hydrating. Yeah. So just, I mean, I'm just always going on about with singers just to drink water. I mean, it's the best thing that you can do. And it's so easy to forget and to get out of the habit. Um, just to drink water all the time. So I know I know you run a, a blog as well. What's the name of your blog? The blog is called Eat What We Eat. Yeah. And so I set that up because um, oh, so many of my friends were complaining about, um, you know, cooking t two or three times for all the picky eaters in their family. And um, I, I just really, uh, yeah, I totally get that too. And I refuse to do that. So I just, my theory is, um, you know, everyone has to eat what we eat or, or you don't get dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's been really fun. I, I love kind of doing the family recipes and um, I, you know, feel like people, people enjoy getting a free recipe, you know, they, they find that is, is helpful. And um, yeah. It, it, for me, it, it helps me to do a little hobby and to be creative too. And um, yeah, I feel like now it's, it's really nice to keep that as my hobby and then to go back to having my uh, voice coaching as my career. So I feel like it's all lining up. So, you know, there's this, uh, there's this thought of like, you're here in this moment, everything that you have done has led you up to this moment. And, and you know, it's exactly how it should be. So that's how I feel now, you know, it's, it's really nice. So does the blog earn you any income or is that just a creative outlet? Very, very little. Um, but that is one thing that I would like to do is I would like to monetize my blog. And um, yeah, I just haven't, I haven't up until now, but I'm working on something. And I know that at some point with your blog, you had some kind of sponsorship. Oh, yes, I do. Um, I do blog for a kitchenware company here in Australia and um, they send me free kitchenware and then I just sort of do a blog about it and then I earn money from the article that I write and that's fantastic too, yeah. Did they approach you or you approach them? 
Um, someone tagged me in a little post. They were looking for a food blogger and, um, I had literally gotten my, I got a nice camera. I think it was like that day. And then someone had tagged me in the post. And, um, again, it's just like everything just lined up. I was like, Oh wow. I just got this job, like being a professional food blogger. So that has been fantastic. I'm doing one at the moment on, um, Le Creuset. Um, yeah, so I'm still doing that and that's really good. And, um, with my own blog, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm writing a course, um, called think like a chef. So it's, um, based on my experiences in the commercial kitchens, I've realized how many things that we do differently at home with the way we cook. And, um, you know, how I was saying earlier about how um, in a restaurant, everything just kind of gets brought together. It's, it's not actually cooking. They're just bringing it together. So when we go to a restaurant, no one notices that everything's kind of done in advance. When we at home, we go and we start dinner from scratch every single day and we don't have things prepared. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm just kind of putting together like a little plan that I feel like people could follow. It would really help them be faster in the kitchen and just enjoy it more, not feel like it's such a drain or a chore. Mm. So what, um, what's your goal then with your going back into vocal coaching? Well, um, I really love, uh, I've got a few avenues that I want to kind of tap into and um, just explore more so I love working with artists and singer songwriters and it just means so much to them and I and I love that to hear new music every day and yeah and and to see what a difference it makes to them this is what I really love um so I want to work with more people like that and um when I was teaching in London I, I taught several people who were going through the transgender process um, and I absolutely loved that work so much. Um, it was just so rewarding. Um, so I'm definitely going to um, seek out more work like that and then um, some training. So yeah, those two things. And I also have an interest in um, that the topic of um, healing, you know, using singing as a form of healing, um, just helping people, you know, find their voice and just kind of open up with singing and, and um, not feel so self-conscious. And um, I mentioned to you before, I'm writing, I'm writing a little book at the moment called Singing for the Self-Conscious. Um, and I feel that um, this is just an area that has really held me back. Um, and I wanted to explore that more. And I just had this, this thought that I wanted to write down some things and um, that have has helped me along the way and um, just kind of exploring that that idea about being self-conscious and how that holds us back as singers and performers it has really held me back it's probably been the the main thing for me mm. so yeah so I'm, I've written that now and I'm just kind of doing the finishing touches so is that for the general public as or is it focused on people who are already singing um that would be for people who are already interested in singing and already doing a bit of singing but just finding them themselves held back by their self-conscious side can you give us any uh tips that you think would be helpful for teachers if they're working with someone who's self-conscious and obviously they need to go buy buy your book when it's published yes yes well um Gosh, I mean, I, this book is also there for us as singing teachers, because basically what I want it to be is, is like a workbook for students um, to help them. So there'll be like lots of um, exercises and activities for them to do, because I feel that um, 
you know, we can explore the idea about what it means to be self-conscious, but really what helps get you through it and get over it um, is just the doing, doing more. And, um, you know, so many things I've learned from you, Lynn, over the years, you know, that I'm putting into the book, like, you know, have, like having a cup of tea, you know, that feeling of um, that you're just doing it over and over again. So really what this book is, is kind of like hand-holding someone through it in, in a little way, you know, helping them by giving them the activities and the exercises. So they will be like, you know, like a 30 day song challenge. You, they, you know, a lot of people don't really sing. They just stop. Um, this is kind of what happened to me. I thought, felt that I could never get over this sort of self-conscious feeling. So I just um, didn't, you know, I didn't really put myself out there and I kind of avoided it. And, you know, sometimes people just need a little bit of help. Um, yeah. So I would say the biggest tip is just to, you know, help your students in kind of getting out there more, help them, maybe giving them, a, helping them with a few more opportunities for singing live, um, not just sitting in front of them and doing the exercises, um, but just kind of helping them come out a little bit more. You know, I always felt a little bit like a faker when, um, you know, having a lot of lessons and I felt that, um, you know, technique was fantastic and obviously I, I needed to learn that and and that was and I do teach technique you know I feel like it's something that um you kind of it's science and you always come back to it but when I was um training my own voice I always felt I felt this feeling of kind of being a faker it's like I couldn't what was really holding me back was this sort of feeling inside of not being able to let go and um, that's what I really wanted to explore, you know, but I didn't, I don't know. I, it's hard to do it yourself. You know, you kind of need a little bit of help. Mm. So that's that, that kind of thing. That's why I'm writing this book. So I hope that singing teachers will be able to use it and have a tool to give to their students too. So the idea is to have some practical exercises or strategies or things that you, a teacher can be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's right. So each chapter in the book has practical tools that the student can do. And I think it's very important that the aspect of doing, you know, we talk about what it is, why we're feeling this way, yada, yada, yada. But actually it's the doing. So every, every little bit will be broken up with an actual exercise. And um, I think that will be really helpful for singers. And I'm doing it myself. You know, I'm, I'm testing this out. With my, with my own projects and things. So I still, you know, feel hindered by this self-consciousness. Mm. I know that you worked as a, a lecturer at the Academy of Contemporary Music and I often get questions from teachers who want to know how to teach technique in singing in a classroom setting. Do you have any advice, if you can take your mind back to those days? Uh, what were the challenges for you and what, what did you find help? Okay, yeah, it's funny that you're bringing this up now because I actually, I had this flashback earlier. It's a funny story I'll have to tell you in a minute. Um, but um, teaching in a classroom setting, yeah, that was, um, yeah, it's tricky. Um, but when you, I think uh, what really helps is to bring people up and use a demonstration you know and it's actually really helpful for other people to listen and to watch and to learn you know by example um and 
so yeah almost like it's almost like a teacher training in a way um so using the other singers as um you know letting them you know and, and it also helps for people to have a little bit of ownership as well like asking the students what they would think you know how should this student approach this that kind of thing so that they're learning it themselves um, and i think it's also important to keep things pretty dynamic you know because what i found in at acm uh, the students were pretty young and um yeah the tension spans were it was hard to keep them on track so um yeah just changing it up a lot and keeping them in, in groups walking around and um yeah i would say giving them some ownership with um you know teach the strategy and then let them kind of be the teacher in a way and then walk around and check their work mm. yeah so um what, what i was telling you earlier was uh, what i was thinking was i remember you saying to me once i, I remember going up to you and saying um oh lynn i have a headache um you know, because the students, they weren't like, I don't know, they were so loud and boisterous and everything. And um, I remember you saying, oh, I, I feel like you probably just need to have some kids, you know, like just be a little bit more, you know, just own it. And um, so if anyone's watching this, Lynn was the head of um, the vocals at uh, Academy of Contemporary Music. And she hired me to be a teacher there. And um, yeah, so then now, now I've had two kids who are crazy kids. Yeah, I'm totally like on it. And um, and then uh, just this past week, I've been learning vocal distortion. So like learning how to do some like growls and screams and grit in a healthy way. And I've been learning this and I realized that that's my noise that I use when I'm like, I call it my mum exorcist voice. With <laughs> so I feel like I, you came to my mind. I feel like I've finally gotten there. Like I, <laughs> but it's these screams. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like oh yeah, I can do this. I do healthy screams all the time when I'm screaming at my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, if you go back into the classroom, you'll be able to pull that out. Oh yeah, I command them. Yeah, I just have to do my. <laughs> do my death metal screen yeah. <laughs> so i know you've been teaching online for a while because obviously you you were doing it before you left but also when you left to from london to go to australia in order to maintain some of your clients you would went online what do you think are the biggest challenges of going online and do you think there are some advantages yes um i'm i'm all for online you know because yeah, I've kind of grown in this way because, you know, we moved from London to Sydney and I just totally, you know, it was like I had to face either losing all my students or jumping on that. And and actually we, you know, we had um, been doing so much teacher training, you know, so, you know, we have connections all over the world. Um, so kind of used to that. Um, so what I love about being online is that you can teach anybody anywhere and you're, you're both so comfortable, like you're just in your house and, you know, you can have your pajama bottoms on or whatever, or, you know, if you, if you've got a big like zit or something, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really come out so well. So you, you're, you're just more relaxed and um, it's more convenient. You don't have the commuting time to get somewhere. So um, I think there are many advantages. And in fact, after this coronavirus, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go full on online. I'm not even going to welcome any students in person um, unless they truly seek me out, you know, in the local area. But you know, because I'm in the countryside as well, so I, I don't really have very many people here that, mm. that would want lessons. So I'm going to stay online. I love it. 
Mm. So what what uh, what are the things that you had to adapt or change from a technical point of view? Well, um, just making sure that you you know you go at a different pace and you kind of obviously you can't play with the student because it distorts the sound. Um, I don't have this set up right now, but I'll show you this um, little thing that I have, which is a um, it is. What's it called? I'm just going blank on the name. It's basically just like a little analog, um, you know, you can put that in so that, uh, so that. Like an amp? Yeah, an it's, amp? An, it's an amp. This one is called, um, band, it's from Band Lab. And um, it's, it's like really easy to, to use. You just plug it in. It's kind of basically for people on the go. It's a little interface. That's the word I'm trying to oh, interface. interface. Right. Yeah. So this one is called the duo. So I can put my um, piano in there and I've got a microphone in there. And so, so, you know, it's just a better sound quality. Okay. Yeah. So that's called band lab. That's something that I've just discovered. Um, so you have that or the student has it or both of you? No, have I have that. And so all you do is um, you just, plug everything in and then you just need to run something like um, GarageBand or um, band, the one with BandLab that it comes with a little, um, it's called a DAW digital, um, oh, oh God, oh, this is embarrassing, cut this bit out. <laughs> 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 no, I can't be talking tech when I don't know anything. Yeah, <laughs> Funny we watch it's, not, it's not chefing, yeah. <laughs> I think like most teachers will be with you. It's a yeah. thing. It's a thing. Yeah. I have a USB keyboard that goes straight into my garage band and then I play the keyboard and it and the garage band plays the sound and that's how my student hear the music. So I'm not quite sure how the interface yeah. Uh, is that something I need or, or is it something that I don't need because of the way I'm doing? No, it sounds like you've got this kind of, that is, yeah, you've got that, you don't need that. But right. because I'm, so this would be for someone who, you know, like a lot of people are just playing and, um, you know, talking in the lesson using their, their um, computer's microphone and, and, you know, it's right. just not that good. So what I really think is that you really need to hear the student because sometimes I'm working with people that I really need to hear their voice and really like, you know, it, it's actually pretty crucial that we hear and, you know, properly. And it's really hard if you're just working out of like a little laptop. Um, and I want them to hear my, um, my scales and, um, you know, so yeah, it's just more professional. Okay, so so then you're using headphones for yes, hearing to hear the student, yes. and the student isn't hearing you through your headphones microphone. They're hearing you yes. through the computer and the microphone. Okay, now I get it. So they will be they will be hearing me through this through my microphone. Yeah, but they will be getting my scales through um, through that interface. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lead from, because you've got a, like a proper electric keyboard there, haven't you? Yeah, so this is plugged in, you know, this goes straight into that little box as well. Um, yeah, so it's just a better sound all round, yeah. And you don't need GarageBand? No, I mean, there are, you don't need that one particularly, but you can, you know, there, there are a lot of um, free, um, those 
programs that you can get. Yeah. And like the one the band lab, they actually have one that's, that's totally free and it just, yeah, it just runs it. But do you have to go through band lab in order for that? to No. Work? Yeah. Okay. So now I think now I get it. So basically your interface helps your piano play through the computer. That's right. Whereas I've, I've created, um, my keyboard is like a MIDI instrument that the garage band creates the sound that the student hears. Yeah, and either one is great. It's just that so so that you're not, like say if I was playing now, you're not getting the sound coming through the kind of crappy laptop. Yeah. It's like it's coming straight in, you know, so it's just clear and, yeah, and it's really it's really good. A lot of my students are on a microphone as well, or at least using headphones with a microphone. And I find that the sound is really great. I mean, it's actually better than in person, as long as the connection is okay. You need a pretty good connection. And that that's annoying sometimes if the connection isn't working. So aside from obviously internet connection, what, what other disadvantages are there, do you think, to in person? Um, I feel that maybe it's um, a, on a personal level. I find that some people just like to the feeling of going somewhere and being in front of someone um, and they kind of haven't made that shift yet. But listen, I just feel that this is the digital age and this is, this, this is like an opportunity for everyone to kind of come online. It's more convenient, um, you know, and even like for businesses, it's like, flexible working people can work from home it's better for everyone you know you don't have to have massive offices and I just think it's great yeah and with um yeah some people maybe like like I had I did actually have a girl today because some things have lightened a little bit here and you're able to have like two people over and um, I had a girl who wanted to come for a lesson in my local area and I was sort of a bit like really shall we just do it online <laughs> like I was just kind of used to um that but um yeah some people just prefer it i think that's the downside that some people will just maybe just want that person to person Mm. um otherwise i actually don't feel that it's any different you know i just feel that i can still totally connect with people and it's great you know with the visual and everything and i guess for me this because i do a lot of kind of much more holistic approach seeing somebody in person and being able to even touch them at times, um, you know, if I'm trying to make adjustments to their posture or yeah, um, yeah, demonstrate, I don't know, use of yeah, the kind of relaxed muscles and things like that, I might like that physical aspect. Yeah. And, and also I read a lot of somebody through looking at their whole body. That's true. So for me, that, that can be a disadvantage. Um, yeah. Because by the time someone stands up and they're far enough away from the camera that I can see their whole body, now that's kind of almost too far away for me. Yeah, um, yeah. Because of the wide angle of the camera. Yeah. So I, I do miss that aspect of it. Um, but obviously if I'm just working voice or just doing some troubleshooting or vocal health or, you know, definitely all the mindset stuff that I do, I can do that online, not, no problems. But I, I personally feel like I wouldn't want to totally lose um, the the in-person, offline experience. Yeah. yeah, I just remembered something as well. It's just sometimes it's with music, you know, it's really nice to play along with the student and to have that, you know, with a musical connection. Um, but, yeah, so it, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, they have to play their 
backing track or their instrument. Um, but then, yeah, that's, that's not often a problem, but I do miss that sometimes. It's a nice feeling to play with someone. Well, Becky, this has been a really great catch up and conversation. Um, I, I love, you know, the fact that you're back into the singing teaching world because I always felt it was a bit of a loss for us. Um, and yeah, I look forward to seeing how things evolve and obviously let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just, um, you're going to see me around and it's just so nice to have that community because yeah, if we, if we all are online, then I feel that things like, um, you know, singing teacher communities and that they're going to pop up and be stronger than ever. You know, we, we have this sort of like group of people all over the world that um, we share connections with, which I think is really nice. Um, but yeah, it's been lovely to catch up with you, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate oh, it. You're welcome. And hopefully we'll actually see each other in person at some point once <laughs> yeah. travel is allowed again. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Do, 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 do.